Hello and welcome back to Cause Internal Monologue. In this episode, we're going to be covering the Babylon 5 Season 3 episode, Ship of Tears. So this is a fantastic episode that builds a lot on what has come before, uh, is vital to the coming uh, episodes. Um, it's just a really good arc piece uh, and character piece for Bester, which is, you know, not something you expect for a villain, but it honestly humanizes him in many ways. It makes him more sympathetic, which is kind of scary to think about. Uh, and also has some wonderful Jakar bits. Uh, just an absolutely wonderful uh, little episode here. So let's get into it. So the beginning of the episode sees ISN return to the airwaves. And ISN... Uh, previously was skirting the line between what they could say under the Clark regime and what they could not say. And then uh, the last we saw of them, a reporter finally stepped in and did his job, which is to tell the truth and tell it loudly. And th that resulted in the Clark regime sending the military in, shutting them down, and potentially killing them all. So, you know, as any dictatorship does... If you want to ensure control, you control information, because the more information you control, the less, or in some cases, the more your citizens know, at least what you filter and tell them, the more you remain in control. Uh, so it's all about establishing a narrative. And ISN now is a propaganda machine. And the, the thing is, is that it's... It, you have to establish a narrative and then stick to that narrative. So before they talked about establishing a narrative of alien influence and the preparation for an alien invasion and dividing Earth as a people. Uh, so they they quickly go, oh yeah, this was the, the, the influence of, uh, of the prelude to an alien invasion. We stopped it and it, it, it was all it was all a misunderstanding. It made it look through doctored footage that they uh, that the military had attacked ISN. So basically what it is, uh, is, is hiding truth within lies. So the entire narrative is saying, yes, the military did attack ISN, but the reasons you think they attacked are not the real reasons, quote-unquote. This is what a uh, dictatorship does. It takes the truth and twists it to fit its own narrative. Uh, and so in the easiest, most palpable lies are filtered through truth uh, because it makes the, uh, the receiver more inclined to believe you. And that's what the new ISN is doing. Uh, they are pumping out these propaganda pieces, but they're doing it in a way where it's half-truths. And then the truth, uh, the truth is kind of poked and changed from its original intent to fit the narrative. There's still a hint of that truth there, but it's not really the truth. It's their own filtered version of it. Um, and, you know, uh, Franklin even says, you know, you know, who who controls information controls the world. That is very very true. How. How we as citizens receive information is vitally important to understanding the world around us. And if the information we get is filtered and prodded and changed and, and sort of pulped for a new narrative, we are inclined to start believing that narrative. 
the more and more we see it. Um, and then there's this creepy idea that crime has virtually been eliminated under martial law, uh, and we should be celebrating. Uh, you know, crime has gone down under martial law because the military is there and the military is going to, you know, be very effective in stopping crime. doesn't mean crime is completely eliminated. It's just that crime is now discouraged uh, by force. Um, so they're, they're turning martial law into a positive thing. They're only highlighting the positive aspects. They do not talk about the negatives. Once again, establish a narrative and stick to it. That's how this is done. That's how propaganda is done. You focus on the positives, you ignore the negatives, and you hide the lies within truths. Um, so, Bester comes in uh, to this uh, into this episode uh, looking for the uh, the situation going on with the telepaths and the shadows. He knows that the shadows are really in control of what is going on on Earth. That there's no way that Clark has did this all himself. He's just a yes man. There's clearly a power behind the throne. And he wanted that power to be the Psychor. But the Psychor with themselves is answering to a higher power. It's got to be the shadows. And he's starting to figure that out. And he's not comfortable with that because he... You know, I, I've talked about this before. He is the ultimate believe in his superiority. He is so firm in his belief that he is superior that that actually comes a plot point in this episode to show that he is telling the truth. When asked why why he would be helping them, you know, uh, the you know why 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 would why would he Bester go out of his way to help the Babylon Five crew and work against the uh, against against Earth's wishes to supply these quote unquote weapon supplies to the shadows? You know he he goes it's because we as telepaths are not expendable. Uh, you know you mundanes breed like rabbits. You know supply and demand. It's that simple. Telepaths are inherently more rare and inherently more valuable as a result. He is so firm in his superiority. He doesn't just believe in it. He knows he's superior. And that belief leads him to realizing he cannot answer to a higher power because he is the higher power. So ironically, the very thing that makes him a villain also makes him an ally to Babylon 5 now. Uh, and... You know, he 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 wants to help out the Babylon Five crew, and there's some wonderful interactions he has. He's so smarmy, uh, as nor as per his normal. But we get to see multiple sides of that smarminess. So he's really condescending and smarmy to him. But the moment Ivanova strikes him, because he keeps provoking and prodding her until she's had enough and she slaps him. Which, by the way, I clapped like. I would have done the same thing. That's the moment he stops. And he goes, okay, I've pushed them to their limit. This is how far they're willing to take it. Now I get serious. And he's still a bit smarmy, but the moment Carolyn becomes a situation where where, where, where after they rescue the quote-unquote weapon supplies, which turn out to be augmented telepaths for the, the shadows, uh, you know, that's when he gets super serious. That's the closest we see to 
in my opinion, the real Bester. Bester is so firm in his superiority that he'll laud himself over everyone. But the moment, the moment he's brought down and he is sort of... That, that, that sort of facade of the superiority is cut through and you really see the man for who he is. Which we get to see the man here of just... He's, he cares. He's, he is a lover, not a fighter in a way. Uh, Carolyn was a blip. Blips are telepaths who flee the core, flee the drugs, and flee the other options, which is either jail or death, uh, when you are a telepath in this society. And he chased her down, and he eventually fell in love with her. And now... He's in a situation where he cannot reveal this because he has a genetic match that he has children with. But he fell in love with the very thing that he was told to hate, told to capture, and, and, and by any means necessary. He fell in love with her. And he's having a child with her. He is capable of feelings of remorse, of guilt, of compassion. And yet... He's so maniacally evil at times, it's hard to imagine him this way. And yet he is. He is a fully complex human being. He, he, that's just who he is. And uh, what I love about that is that Bester is the kind of villain you love to hate. Because you would look at him and he is so evil and so maniacal and so smug and superior. You want to punch the living crap out of him. But at the end of the day, you know he's a human being. And you know he has flaws. You know he has opinions. You know he has emotions. Can you really strike someone that is normal, for lack of a better term? Mundane, in a way. Um, Babylon 5 is so good at painting clear, unique, and fully rounded characters. And I think Bester is a great example of a character that slowly, over the course of five seasons, I mean, we're only in season three, you know, is painted so clearly, and yet he has so few appearances. He's a fan favorite for a reason. Now, I want to talk about the entire, uh, you know, the weapon supplies thing. So the, the Psychor is effectively providing, uh, you know, blips. Any blips they find are now going to the Shadows. And we find out that the Shadows are, uh, we already knew this, that they require a host, that there are living, breathing ships that require a host inside of them to fully operate. But as a result of that, uh, they have a weakness. And now that the Psychor and Earth is kind of working to help with the Shadows, they are fighting that weakness, and Garibaldi figures out that weakness. They're weak to telepaths, because they're living, biological, breathing ships. And they have a, they have a person host. So, if the host is a telepath, they can fight against the the vulnerability of telepaths and i like how the entire situation of why are narn why do narns not have telepaths is a plot point this is something we knew 
all the way back in the gathering. And it was such a unique thing as far as world building was concerned, but now it's part of the overarching plot that the Mindwalkers, as the Narn called them, or telepaths, were wiped out. That they were, they did exist, as we've known, and that some Narn showed the genetic potential, but it was so diluted and basically wiped out from their gene pool that they cannot produce a telepath of worthy significance. No fully operational telepath. It's because the shadows submerged and buried themselves on Narn, and to keep themselves safe, they wiped out the Mindwalkers, wiped out the telepaths. And so this is the perfect way for the shadows to get an edge for the war they know is coming, and the war that starts in this very episode. I mean, it's been a cold war, now it's a hot one, you know, um... Uh, it, 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 that basically the way they describe it weapon supplies it's a cold cold way to refer to human beings like that but it is true it is a defense mechanism it is a supply for a weapon it's ammunition basically for the war that is to come and we know based on their tactics that they prepare and they prepare in long stretches for the past three seasons, we've been seeing them literally turn this galaxy into a war zone so they could then capitalize on the chaos. This is how they operate. Uh, it's a brilliant strategy, and I just love how that connects to everything we found out about the Shadows, about the Narns from previous seasons, and how it sort of interconnects. Once again, Babylon 5 is so well not only so well developed, but also so well thought out that everything sort of folds back in with and of itself and becomes clear, and you can tell that there was a vision from the very start. Um, now, I want to talk about the uh, the, 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 the uh, Jakar stuff. So, Jakar has been wanting to sort of become part of the Army of Light ever since he has offered his help to Sheridan. And he keeps being pushed to the side, pushed to the side. And part of the reason is that Sheridan and Delenn are sort of enraptured in not only busy work, but also guilt. That they let Narn fall, they let his race become subjugated to the Centauri because they weren't ready to move against the Shadows yet. And the Shadows were already, you know, setting up their chessboard while the Army of Light was trying to set up their own side and was doing it slower. If the Shadows had found out that they that they knew about them, this war would have gotten hot a long time ago, and they would not have been ready, and they would have been wiped off the face of the galaxy, most likely. They sacrificed the Narns for the greater good. But how do you measure the greater good? The greater good is this concept that we have, but, you know, do, do the ends justify the means? Is that something that is measurable, not only on a moral scale, but also on a sort of philosophical scale? And Delenn feels she is responsible, so goes and apologizes to Jakar. And it's a lovely scene. Both actors, you know, Mara Furlan and Andres Katsalus act the hell out of it. And you can really tell. And I love how Jakar acknowledges the gravity of the situation, acknowledges the mistakes made, but also the right choices made, but at the same 
time, you know, he cannot forgive. He talks about that he understands, you know, you know, sometimes sacrifices have to be made for the good of others. If we are all to be saved, some of us must sacrifice. But what has happened hurt him personally, but has also hurt those he loved, those he cares about. And now his people are in a situation that is just as bad as when he was born. Can he really forgive? And the answer is no. But we also see just how much he's grown as a person. Because, as he says himself, if you had told me before, I would have struck you down then and there. And Delina acknowledges, yes. Yes, I know you would have. I think you have come quite far, Jakar. Farther than you can have known. And it's absolutely true. Jakar has evolved and changed from a warrior to a priest. And... He acknowledges what had to be done. That doesn't mean he agrees. It doesn't mean he accepts the apology. That doesn't mean he can forgive. That just means he acknowledges that it had to be done. It's a hard, hard, hard decision to make. A heartfelt scene. Glorious moment. And then, of course, we get the war room reveal. Which the war room is a, you know, this glorious looking set. It's really nice looking. Uh, and it's a, it's this kind of symbolic thing of uh, they finally, they're about to find out later after the war room is revealed that uh, the weakness of the shadows is telepaths. They they have this war room. Everything is getting organized. Drakkar has been folded into the army of light. Things are finally going their way. They may have an edge. They do have an edge now. They may have a way to win. They are finally winning something. But it is possible to win and still lose in a way. And that's what happens. Everything is finally going their way. They have Bester on their side, which is, you know, important. The fact that he, despite his loyalty to the side core, he is not loyal to Earth nor the shadows. He is loyal to the core and his vision of what the core should be. And that means he is willing to side against Earth and the shadows to help Babylon 5. So a villain becomes an ally. You know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing. You know, keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer kind of situation. You know, both the Babylon 5 crew and Bester acknowledge that when this is over, they're still going to be, you know, at each other's throats. But for now, what matters is the safety of everyone, and to Bester in particular, the safety of Carolyn. That's what matters the most to him. She's the one thing that matters to him, outside of his belief in his superiority of the telepaths and the core. Meaning that this must be put aside. All prejudice and situations must be put aside for the greater good. Once again, that theme of sacrifice for the greater good. If some are to be saved, some must sacrifice. And so there's this just feeling of, yes, we got multiple people on our side, including an old enemy. 
Uh, we have an edge. We could win, theoretically. This can all go our way. And then the shadows start making moves. And the war goes from a cold war to a hot one. Shots have been fired. The shots heard around the galaxy. The shadows are moving openly. They're no longer using proxy battles. This is it. There's no turning back now. And despite how much, you know, celebration and revelry there is around everything that happened in this episode of finally getting an edge, finally winning, getting allies, they still lost because the shadows made the first open move. And now shit's going to get real. Fantastic episode uh, and wonderful seeing Bester again. And wonderful, just wonderful character moments. A wonderful building on world building and using its plot points. And just overall, just an amazing episode. I'll see you next time. Until then, bye. Bye.